It is really uh, one of the biggest blessings in my life right now. I look forward to, I, I honestly look forward to, to the, whole, the whole enchilada. Tuesdays, Taco Tuesdays, Mike and I go pick up the food. It's always fun to go to food bank and hang out and talk to the guys there, come back. We've got a, a great crew that comes in to unload. And then I love Thursdays. I just love when people come, and I feel like we're really making a difference, and they genuinely feel the welcome of God and the love of Jesus. Um, we had, to, did you, I think she mentioned, we had 43 families this past week, which was a record. That's what we've never, in any history that I can recall, had that many. I don't, we don't know. We didn't add up what that represents. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 160 people received a week's worth of groceries would have been represented by those 43 families. So just again, thank you guys for your participation. Uh, again, you know, we got the garden going on. We talked about a food drive, Coins for Cancer next weekend. Did you mention that the kids have done homeless bags? There's bags in the back, so if you want to take a, a little freeway flyer with you, those are awesome. It's another thing. You can, you can take the fun with you when you go. You see somebody on the corner, you pull up to the ramp, you go, ah, what do I do? I don't know if I should give them money or not. No, give them a bag of food. It's awesome. And, and they will be blessed and thankful. And I'm telling you, it's very fun. So I just wanted to talk about that. I love it. If, if you want to come and participate. Hey, I pray for somebody every week. I made it a goal a few months ago. I said, I'm going to pray for at least one person a week. And I don't even have to try. People now are asking me, hey, would you pray for me? Will you pray for me? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a kick. So at least one person every week. And it's just if, if you want to do that, you can come. You don't even have to help do anything. You just wander around pray for people. So Thursday's 12 to 3. I know it's during the, uh, the work week and all, but call in sick. You can't, you can't do that, really. I didn't, I didn't tell you to call in sick. I didn't say that. Take the day off. Take it off legitimately. One more thing before we start. I want to encourage you to do your best to try to be here next Sunday night. Um, we're going to have a guest speaker again. Very good friend of mine, David Greenwich, who pastors at Tigard Covenant Church here in town, is going to be here with us. David is an African-American pastor and is going to come and speak uh, to us on the subject of racial righteousness. And this is by invitation. I actually asked David if he would come and share on that at some point. And I really think it's uh, going to be a great message and a great word for us to hear. And, you know, I, I, uh, I think sometimes we have certain fears, I'm not going to go quite as far as to say prejudices, but maybe prejudices in us that we don't even realize we have. We think, I don't have that. I'm okay. I'm all good. And, and then maybe something happens and we kind of do. And, and I just, you know, I, I want us to be, have every opportunity to grow in the Lord. And so you're going to love David. He's, he's fun. He's full of the joy of the Lord. A fantastic guy. So really try to be here next, next week and, uh, and, and uh, listen to David speak to us on racial righteousness. I think it'll be great. All right, so last week I started a new series and uh, started a series on, on family. And I told you it was going to be, uh, the introduction was a two-parter. So part one, part two. So tonight is part two of just the intro. And again, I, I felt, you know, sometimes you just sort of get stirred. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you do, because tonight some of you did. You kind of just think, and I, I just felt stirred. I go, this is, this is an issue I need to talk about right now. I need to, I need to do some, some teaching on family. I think it's a, it's, it's a challenge for most of us, dealing with family relationships and family dynamics. It's super 
important in the course of our life. In terms of our formation, um, our, our development, who we are as people, our identity, so much of that is connected to our family. And uh, so, you know, that is, is one big issue. And then right, you know, kind of alongside that is that it's also really, really important to God. Scripture, the Bible has so much to say about family. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed? I mean, there's just a lot about family uh, in there. And so uh, that's what we're going to do. You know, I, I haven't finish the series yet, so I don't know how long it takes, six, seven weeks, maybe most of the summer, I don't know. Um, oh, I'm gonna, it'll be a break next week again, but we'll pick up. But uh, in any case, tonight and last week are sort of introductory messages, and I'm doing sort of um, a theological foundation for family. What is sort of the big picture in Scripture? What, what does the Bible have to say about family? So I want to take a moment or two right now, just real quickly, if you didn't hear last week, um, this is a very, very brief review. I'm not going to go into it in depth, uh, but, a, but a quick review of some points that we'll uh, continue with tonight. The, one of the main things that I pointed out that I think is, is important for our understanding is that the Bible was written, uh, the context of, of the whole Bible, both the Old Testament and New Testament, is that of a patriarchal society. Uh, the father of the family, the patriarch, had supreme authority over the rest of the family, over the wife and the, the children. And that authority extended uh, to virtually every aspect, every corner uh, of life. Decisions, direction, you know, what, what, what is my life going to be about? What am I going to do? The, the father's uh, authority had a, a significant role in that marriage. Who will I marry? When will I marry? Those sorts of things. Business. Will I take on the family business? And, and uh, you know, if that's sort of the, the, the protocol, that's what the family did is had a family business, then it really there wasn't a lot of choice. You didn't really say, hey, I'm going to leave and go do my own thing. You, you stayed and did that. That authority even extended as far as faith and belief, religion. You, you really didn't have the option to, as... as you know, I believe most of us, and we talked about it last week, uh, view life today, to say, hey, I'm going to make a decision. I believe this or that. The, the Father's will actually extended into that, and the, and, and the Father's direction extended into even your belief system. And so that is the context that Scripture is written in, is that patriarchal society. And, and it's important for us to keep that in mind, not only tonight, but, but as we'll see in the weeks ahead throughout. So with that then... The, the rest of the family, the family members, primarily the children, but, but really the, the entire family, had three responsibilities that I, I mentioned last week, and this is, will, these will come into play again tonight. Um, as family members, your three responsibilities were, first, to bring honor to the Father. To bring honor to the Father. To uphold His reputation. To, to, uh, to live your life and, and conduct your life in a manner that would not uh, be in any way harmful to your father's reputation. Basically, you don't go out and do stupid things because there's a, an, a, a consciousness and awareness that if, if I do this, it not only reflects negatively on me, but it reflects negatively on my father. And so you, you were uh, first and foremost to, to bring honor to the father to uphold his reputation and conduct your life in a way that would do that. Second thing was to carry out the will of the Father. 
um, you really, again, don't, you don't call your own shots. You don't really set your own direction, the course of your life. The, the Father's will sort of dictates the course of your life. And, and uh, that was the second responsibility, again, primarily of children, but, but of the, of the uh, family in entirety. Third is to propagate the family, to carry on the family name, to, to continue whatever uh, honor, whatever esteem uh, this family had. You, your job was to, to further that. This is one reason why male children were viewed as more valuable than female children because, of course, those male children would carry on the family name, whereas the female child would marry and, and not do that. Three responsibilities. And then... Uh, it, towards the end of the message last week, we also established that uh, in the New Testament that we are a family, that we are a family, the church, the, the, the children of God, that we have a common father. We cry Abba, we call out to him, that, that we have the same father, and we have a common DNA. And just as a child is, you know, Jesus said you're, to Nicodemus, you're, you're, you're born of the water and born, you know, born of the flesh, born of the spirit. And just as a child is born of the flesh and it has the parent's DNA, it, it, it will ultimately take on the parent's likeness. When we're born of the spirit, we have God's DNA and we will spiritually take on his likeness. So we have a common father, we have a, a common DNA, and Jesus is our big brother. And we said that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. In fact, I, I think I was just, you know, walking my dog today and pondering a bit, and I thought, I, I bet it really actually blesses him to call us brothers and sisters. I, I, I bet it, it's an honor for him to look at you and say, hey, that's my sister, that's my little sister, that's my little brother. I just, I mean, that's my little prophetic word of the night, so just receive that. God's, Jesus is blessed to say, you're my brother, you're my sister, all right? Um, so I want to pick up there. Let's start there. Lord, uh, open your word to us. Open our hearts to receive. And would you impart to us a, a deeper understanding of your family and of what it means to be in family uh, tonight and in the weeks ahead? In your name we pray, amen. So I want to go back now, and I want to talk a little bit about these three responsibilities that we mentioned. They are, again, to bring honor to the Father, to carry out the Father's will, and to continue the family name or propagate the family. In the New Testament, really, if you think about those three familial responsibilities, again, Bible's written in a patriarchal structure, those three things are really what it means to us to be in the family of God, to be Christians, to, to be in the kingdom of God. Really, those three things are what we're for, what we're about. There are responsibilities, spiritually speaking, as well as they were then in a, in a family setting. If, if, in fact, God is our Father, if we have common DNA, if Jesus is our big brother, if we are the children of God, if, if we're connected together in, in that that regard, then we too will bring honor to the Father. We too will conduct our lives in a manner that upholds His reputation and lifts Him up. It's, one of the saddest things to me about the history of the church is that the kids of God have not always done that. Isn't that true? 
We've not always conducted ourselves in a manner that honors the Father's reputation. And I don't mean us guys here right now. I'm sure you all have. Um, but historically, and it's not, you know, it's not uncommon today to talk to somebody. You might talk to a young person who says, uh, I'll get a question. What about this or that, the crusades? What about the killing and the war? And the, what, what, you know, what is all that? The church has done all that. What about that? I don't get that. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to talk to a young person today who says, you know, I, I believe in God. I, I do. I, I believe in God. And I like Jesus. Jesus seems cool. I, I think that's, he's good. But the Christians, I don't know. I'm just not too sure about the church. And, and I really think that some of that is self-imposed, that, that the kids of God have not always conducted themselves in a way that brings honor to the Father. But I just think it's one of our responsibilities. Second one is to carry out the will of the Father. Isn't that what we're about? Don't we talk about, don't we pray for that, Lord? Let let your will be done. Don't we ask, we seek God's will. Sometimes, and probably many of us have at at some point in our life bumped up against this, where our will kind of wants to go one way and do something, and God's will is sort of leading us another direction. And we might be thinking, man, I I, kind of want to do that. I kind of want to go that way. Maybe it's a move geographically or a different job or a different Maybe it's teaching Sunday school. (laughs) You can pay me later. But God says, I want you to go this way. And we realize, hey, you know, if I am who I say I am, if I'm a child of God right now, then that's what I need to do. I, I need to yield to God's will, and I need to carry out His will. And then the third responsibility is to carry on the family name. And again, that's what we're for. That's what we're about. Whether you call that evangelism or discipleship or being missional, however you frame it or package it, whatever it looks like specifically to you, really, that, that's, that's our purpose. That's our hope. That's our heart. That's what we look for. We, we want to further the name of God. We want, we want to propagate. We want to have new kids. It's interesting. They won't be grandkids. It doesn't work that way, spiritually speaking. They'll, they'll just be more kids. Um, but that's what we're for. And those three responsibilities are really what it means to us as God's children to be involved in his kingdom today. I want to look at a few verses. And we're old school again, as Jesse mentioned. We, we, we blew out the bulb in the projector, and I tried to get a new one. I, I'm gonna, I should go on a rant for a minute. But, man, you know that a new projector costs as much as the bulb for the projector. I'm like, I had so So, anyway, it'll be back next week. But tonight you're going to have to listen or read. Actually, read. Read a Bible if you have one with me. Um, I want to look at quite a few verses again. Um, But in terms of Jesus' instruction to his disciples regarding these responsibilities, these three things I just mentioned, I want to start with the Lord's Prayer, or what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Disciples' Prayer. You guys have heard me on that before. I really think that John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. This is the Disciples' Prayer. Because why? Well, it begins with, this then is how you should pray. You. It's the disciples. This is how you pray. Jesus says, pray this way. And, and many of us now, you know, we have, we, we probably, how many of you guys memorized the Lord's Prayer as a child? A lot of you, most of you did. And, and how many of you taught it to your kids to memorize when it was a child? Yeah, see, uh, which is all good. That's all good. However, if we memorize it word for word, but fail to really delve into the meaning of it a little bit, I think we've missed the point. The point wasn't that this is something for you to memorize that you can recite it so you'll get a gold star. And again, I, I'm all for gold stars. I like those. But the, the point is, 
really, when Jesus says pray this way, he's saying pray with this mindset. Pray with, actually, this theology in mind. It begins this way, and again, this is coming in the midst of the context of a patriarchal structure. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We begin by addressing our Father. Dad, Father in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. We as your kids are committed to keeping your name holy, to upholding your reputation. We're committed to not doing things that will make you look bad. We're committed to conducting our lives in a way that will honor you and show you respect and that other people will go, wow, he's a good God. That's what we're committed to as your kids. That's what the opening line there of the disciples' prayer really means. And he continues, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So once again, as your kids, Dad, we're committed to carrying out your will. Not our will, but yours. We want, in fact, we're praying, we're asking for your will, and, and we want to be about your will. We want to be doing your will. When our will bumps up against your will, we want to say, no, we're, we're going to do your will. That's what we want to be about. And we're praying to ask you help us to, to be that way because we, we know that when your will is done and where your will is done, that's where your kingdom comes. That's where you reign. And that's where your purposes really will be accomplished here now on earth as it is in heaven. So the first two of those three responsibilities, Jesus really instructs us uh, in in this prayer to follow. The third one, he also gives us some instruction for. Uh, This one comes actually in uh, what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28. It's the final instructions Jesus gives to his disciples before his ascension into heaven. And there in Matthew 28, 19, he talks about carrying on the family name propagating the family. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples. Carry on my name. Reproduce. Multiply. Be fruitful. Get, you know, make, make, more, make more family members. I, I like it, and I think it's worth mentioning that he said to make disciples, not just believers. That... Um, you know, the, the, the kingdom of God isn't going to be furthered. The, the Father isn't going to be honored. And His will isn't really going to be done by people who simply believe the right things. It's, it's, those things are going to happen. God will be honored. His will will be done. His kingdom will be furthered by, by people who really do make Him king of their lives, who, who, re, who really do live in a way that honors Him, who, who really do uh, live in a way that upholds His reputation. Now, that's not to say that believing the right things isn't important. It is. But I think it's the beginning, not the end. You can't do this stuff until you believe it, right? I mean, you're really not very effectively anyway. So you have to believe it first, but it doesn't end there. What what Jesus means when he says make disciples is really live your life in a way that that does that. Um, Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is really um, kind of the initiation ceremony into the family. It's sort of the welcome into the family, isn't it? We talked about it a few weeks ago. It's a PowerPoint. It's one of those times in your life where you're saying yes. I, I am a kingdom person. This is what I'm going to do. This is the direction my life has taken. And I'm announcing that to, to those people that are here today. That's what baptism is about. And it really is an opportunity for us to say, hey, welcome to the family. And it's one of our favorite things. I love baptism. I love hugging people and just, just seeing them all wet and weepy. It's just 
It's awesome, isn't it? You guys, you guys have been there. You know what that's like. Um, and then uh, the last thing he says there is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Or, in effect, reproduce. Carry on the family name. Let, help them do what I've taught you to do now. Pass it on. Um, so, so that's uh, you know, an, an important part of uh, our responsibility as God's kids today. The last thing we talked about uh, last week in terms of our role, what it means to be children of God today is this. That is that the, the children of the family pledge ultimate allegiance to the Father. If there's a dispute, you're on the Father's side. You, you, you give ultimate authority to the Father. The Father has the, the final say. And, and it's really at this point, here, here's, and here's where I want to go tonight. It's really at this point that Jesus' teaching on the family of God, being in the kingdom of God, becomes somewhat controversial. And some people say even scandalous. It's where it really gets uh, under people's skin, so to speak. On one hand, Jesus is speaking in a language that people understand. He's in a patriarchal society speaking patriarchal language. He's talking about the Father's honor. Uphold the Father's honor. Oh, yes, we get that. That's right. That's right. The Father's will. You carry out the Father's will. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. That's, that's right. We, we get that. Then he begins to talk about the Father's authority and pledging allegiance to our Heavenly Father. And the culture says, hey, the earthly father has the ultimate authority. He's the one that we follow after and the one that we, we, we really yield to. Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. The heavenly father is the ultimate authority. He has the last say. He's the one that we pledge our ultimate allegiance to and he's the one that we yield our lives to. And that creates some conflict, doesn't it? That, that kind of cuts against the grain of what society is, is thinking and believing. It, it sort of causes some tension. I think it's uh, at least uh, partially what got him crucified. I mean, he, you know, he came against a number of sort of societal values and norms, and that didn't go well. Um, it's offensive. I think it was offensive to people then, and it can be offensive today to say, no, hey, God has the ultimate authority. I want to look at some examples of that. If you are a note taker, you might write these texts down and uh, look them up and read them on them later. Uh, but I want to begin in Mark chapter 3. This is one of my, my favorite ones. Um, Jesus' mother and his brothers uh, come to where he's teaching. They want to talk to him um, and really what they intend to do is take him home with them because they think he's crazy. They think he's crazy. It says, Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, this is Mark 3.20, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Right after this, the Pharisees accused Jesus of being demon-possessed. So the Pharisees think he's demon-possessed. His family is a little gentler. They just think he's nuts. Um, but look at the response. Here's the response. This is just a few verses later, when they Mark 3.31, when they actually arrived. Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, 
And standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. He looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, Here are my mothers, my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. It's kind of rude, isn't it? He sort of, I mean, just dissed his family. They're concerned, and, you know, maybe their concern is not valid, but it's genuine. They're really worried about him. They, they actually think maybe, you know, I, Jesus had, look, if anybody knew who Jesus was and what he was about, it would be his family. But they think at this point he, he's taken it too far. We're going to take him home. He's got to just, you know, back up a little bit. And Jesus says, no, this is my family here, those that do the, the will of Um, next text is in Luke 12. Luke 12, 52. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Um, ultimate allegiance, Jesus says, is no longer to the earthly father, but to me. And when you make that stand, it might not go well with your family. It might set you at odds with your family. It might cause division to even take place in your family. Now, today in in our world, I think that is much more likely to happen probably in other places in the world and other cultures, much more likely than it would be here. However, it's not unheard of for someone today, for a family structure to be geared a certain way and someone in that family to become a Christian and say, hey, I'm changing the course and direction of my life. I'm going over here. And that family to say, uh, okay, fine. Here's the door. I mean, it happens. I've talked to young people who that have happened to. And, I, and I've talked to many people that, that come from uh, different cultural backgrounds to which that has happened to. Um, so allegiance to God the Father might cause some strife. It might blow your, your family uh, apart. And that is something that Jesus makes clear throughout Scripture. Uh, the next one I want to look at is in Matthew 10. This is Matthew 10, 34 uh, and following. He says here, uh, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Let me make a side note here. This is where... This is really where interpretation, biblical interpretation, is so important. Um, We know that Jesus did come to bring peace. He says, I didn't come to bring peace. But we know he did come to bring peace, right? He's the Prince of Peace. He's the God of peace, and the peace of God is in him and in us when we receive him. We pray that. We pray for peace for people. So when Jesus says, I didn't come to bring bring peace, we know he did come to bring peace. How, How do we reconcile those things? Well, we have to understand that he did come to bring peace, ultimately. Ultimately, there will be peace. When his kingdom comes in its fullness, there will be peace on earth, right? And it will be complete, total peace. But in the interim period, to get from here to there, that peace might be broken along the way. 
There, there might be some strife and some stress and some strain. There might be some fracture in relationships some division and some lack of peace that takes place to, to get from here to there. That peace is the, the ultimate goal, to see that. And we, we, we long for that day. But in the interim period, we, we have to realize that serving God, following God, may cause a lack of peace to happen in our lives a little bit. Let me read the next couple of verses, just continue that text. Anyone, Jesus says, who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I don't think Jesus is saying this is what he wants, but, but he's identifying this very really may be the way that it happens. Uh, to, to follow Christ, to pledge allegiance to Him, um, to the Heavenly Father, may cause some members of our earthly family to feel slighted in the process. Probably some of you have experienced that. It may cause division. I want to look at one, one last text to illustrate this. This one is in Luke 14. Large crowds uh, were traveling with Jesus, Turning to them, he said this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now again, what does he mean here? Um, the, those are strong words, right? That's a, that's a strong statement. Um, Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's using exaggeration for effect. We, we know that we're supposed to hate, right? We're not supposed to hate. We, we're, we're taught that. We don't even hate our enemies, much less our family. So now he's saying wh- whoever doesn't hate their father, mother, wife, brother, sons, daughters isn't worthy of me. We, we all, scripture tells us honor our parents. Don't hate. Honor our parents. Hate them. What what is he communicating there? Basically, Jesus is making a comparison. He's saying that the our, our allegiance to God is so far above our allegiance to anyone or anything else. The separation is so big. It's like the difference between love and hate. It's, it's that much greater. It's that much bigger. It's that much farther. That, that's what he's saying is, I want you to pledge allegiance to me in such a way that, that it's, it's that far away from anyone anything else. It's, it's that huge. To align yourself with the kingdom of God might cost something. It might cost you everything. It might cost you, it, potentially, your family. And I think what's important for us to understand tonight is, historically, that's exactly what it meant for people to come into God's kingdom. It's exactly what it meant. That it, it, it could be very costly. It could bring division. It could cause you to have to, to separate from loved ones who don't understand the decisions that you're making and the direction you're taking. To form that kind of bond with our big brother Jesus in that level of allegiance to our Father could be costly. But that's the commitment that we've made. That's the responsibility that we bear as his kids. That's the lifestyle that we've chosen to lead. 
um, Scripture is complex, and it, and it and it following God is complex, isn't it? Don't do you ever wish it would just be easier? Anybody? Am I the only one that wishes it would be easier? It's complex, and sometimes it, it appears. And we looked at a couple verses tonight that appear as though, on a surface level, there are contradictions there, but. Those things are really not contradictions. What they really are is paradox. And I believe they're there for a reason. I believe that they're there to cause us to live in a tension. It's not supposed to be easy. There's a tension whereby we have to be continually relying upon God and His Spirit to lead us, that we cannot do this on our own. And so with that in mind, I want to I end tonight. I want to close by identifying that paradox in this particular teaching about family by hopefully bringing some balance to that. But again, the balance itself is going to cause you some tension and and also hopefully caution you about some things. So I want to look at uh, one one final verse, 1 Timothy 5.8. Paul says to Timothy, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So on one level, that kind of seems to contradict with the ten verses we just looked at. Um, But it doesn't, really. We all understand that as people of God, children of God, kingdom people, that we are to care for our family. We are to do exactly what Paul says here, to provide for our relatives, to provide for, to care and love for our families, not to just hate them, turn away from them, any, any of those things. So this, this idea of putting God first in our lives can at times be misinterpreted, and it can be misinterpreted to the point of abuse. And, and let me say, this is, that's true of all truth. That's true of all truth. Any truth can be misinterpreted uh, to be used against the very purpose that it was intended for. And I, and I think that the more powerful a truth is, the more danger, the more risk of danger there is in it being abused in a greater level. And to be honest, this is a powerful truth. The mere idea that we are children of God, we put Him first in our lives, we pledge allegiance to Him above and beyond everything else, that's a powerful truth. And it has at times been misinterpreted and, and, and to the point of abuse in people's lives. So I, I want to just share two ways I think that could potentially happen and, and say that that's not what it says and, and really caution us against those. The, the first is this. To pledge allegiance to the Father our Heavenly Father, and to His family, to put Him first and, and yield ultimate authority to Him in our lives um, doesn't mean that we necessarily need to put any other person, denomination, church, or system of doctrine above those things in our lives. It doesn't, it's not saying that. It's not saying that at all. We, we seek first the kingdom of God, right? We seek first the kingdom of God. But we at the same time don't allow anyone to to manipulate us into putting um, a person before you know as the most important thing in our lives. There are certain historically charismatic figures that have taken that role. A church, a specific church. I, I know of churches where people have been 
prophetically threatened against leaving. Um, a denomination. I like the vineyard. It's a nice church. It really is. It's good. But it's not God. A system of doctrine. If you're a Calvinist, God bless you. That's great. But that's not the highest priority in, in our lives. So, look, here's the deal. If, if I have a I, I, I have a life-changing experience. I come into relationship with Jesus, and, and I've developed a passion for seeking him and following after him and following his kingdom. It's natural that I'm going to want to align myself with other people that are doing that same thing, right? I, I want to go where people have that same passion, where they go where people are doing what I'm doing. But, but n- no one can impose that upon me. And I just, again, I don't, I don't foresee anybody getting into that, but... I, I, I don't know. I've, I've seen it happen enough times in my lifetime to say that it's worth mentioning. Another, another potential harmful thing. This one may be more common. And we, I, you see this uh, more often with uh, people in ministry. Pastors, uh, worship leaders, prophetic people, and, and really anybody who has visibility and or a kind of a, an itinerant or traveling ministry, but it's certainly not limited to those folks. It can happen with anybody, and that is this, that um, in the interest of or in the name of putting God first in my life, I use that as a reference point for neglecting to take care of my family and neglecting to do the very things that Paul told Timothy to do. I'm off going to the next conference and seeking God and following after God and doing this and doing that, and uh, I'm not being responsible. I'm not working when I need to work. I'm not paying my bills. I'm not present for my kids. I'm not taking care of my family. And I think sometimes when people say I'm seeking after God, and, and, and again, I'm speaking very generally, not of anybody specifically, Sometimes I'm seeking after my next experience and or I'm seeking after some sense of validation and meaning in my own life, which are not the same thing, okay? And, and so, uh, you know, the, the fa- our Father, our, heaven, our, our Father in Heaven tells us to be responsible and to care for our families and not to be, you know, frankly traipsing all over the world in the interest of seeking God and not being responsible people. We're just not, we're not, you're not called to that. We're not, no one is called to that. And I, and I think it's a shame when it happens. Um, and I think it extends beyond just spiritual support. I think it includes spiritual support, certainly. Being with your family. Emotional support. Being, being available, being home, being around, being those things. You, you, it's just my, again, my, my concern, my fear is at times I've seen this teaching of God first and some of the very texts that I read to you tonight used as an excuse to sort of dump on my family. And that's not at all what this is teaching. It really is teaching that God is first. He has authority in my life. I yield to his will. I honor him. I seek to, to, to carry out his purpose and, and to propagate, to continue and further his kingdom and his family. But that doesn't happen at the cost of my family. Uh, so here, here's where we've been. 
Part one, last week, we talked about, we focused our attention largely on the benefit and the blessing of being children of God. And I I believe there was some healing for some of us, and just in terms of acceptance and and reception of that, and and in just the, the reality of Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother. Tonight, I, I kind of looked at the other side of that coin and talked more about, okay, there's a blessing and a benefit to being children of God, but there also is some responsibility that we bear. There's really something as his kids that we're called to be for and be about. And what I hope is that gives you a foundation and a kind of a complete picture with which we can sort of move forward the next few weeks, talk more specifically about some family dynamics and family relationships of theology for family. Why don't you stand? It's late. Bridget, do you want to come up? Are you good? Hey, Jess, where's Jesse? There he is. Would you come up too? I'm going to ask Bridget to um, kind of lead us in ministry tonight. So um, one way to look at ministry time is that it's an opportunity to take a moment before we um, go on with our evening, go on with our week, to really allow God and the Holy Spirit to um, kind of connect the dots. So Glenn's talking about family and, and kind of who we are as children of God, some of what that means. And so maybe for me, there's one piece of that that I really need to pay attention to. So, um, so Lord Jesus, I just ask that now um, you would speak to our hearts and help us to connect the dots, each one for ourselves. That we would hear from you and be able to respond um, to your specific personal message for each of us. <laughs> 